You are listening to the First and a Lot podcast. Here are your hosts, Joey and Don. Oh, man. 2024, baby. Happy New Year, Joey. What's up, baby? How's it going? <laughs> I had to get, I got to get hyped for that one. Oh, good, man. How was the New Year? The holidays. Man, it was good. A lot of good football. Can't wait to talk about all that. How's yours? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Um, it's been a minute. We've been away for a while. You know, we had to give you a dope beat to step two, step two, step two. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We had to, we had to, we had to step away for a minute. Uh, I was sick over the holidays, so um, I know y'all miss me. I know y'all missed us. Uh, I was, I was healthy for the Christmas and New Year's week, but everything else was a sham. Everything else was just messed up. I got the immune system of a wet paper bag. Okay, <laughs> at okay? least you got it but all now the way now. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> but we have a special guest with with us today, a special co-host, special guest, a former teammate of mine, uh, former you know uh, uh, baller. Uh, he's a businessman. He's a philanthropist. He's a father. He's an educator. Give it up for the one and only Daniel Morales joining us today. Thank you. What's thank, up, Daniel? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What's up, fellas? Wow, what a what a beautiful introduction, my brother. I appreciate that. You know, happy new year. Uh, thank you for your kind words. Happy new year, gentlemen. I love the intro. Uh, this is a uh, definitely honor to be on 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 this dope podcast that you guys got. And I'm not sure if I'm the first one of the year or not, but if I am, I hope to, you know, be part of the uh uh, uh, a trailblazing one, you know, with everything going on. I know you, you know, you know Cat Williams already. He kind of set off the year already. Off and now you are, <laughs> now you right? are. You know, I, Maybe you know, I, get... I didn't give you no intro like uh, Shannon, you know. But you know, I I try my best. I try my nah. best. We rolled out the red carpet, right? Yeah, but honored okay? to be here, gentlemen. Honored to be here, fellas. Uh, you know, Happy New Year to everybody, and I'm glad to be here. Glad to be part of the uh, show tonight. Excited. So. Nothing says more than first and a lot than having a guest that knows it all, right? Um, and, and I mean a lot of aspects of life. Yeah. So uh, Daniel wrote a great book. It's called uh, Chasing Malcolm. We'll get to that in just a minute. I got some questions here for him. But uh, Chasing Malcolm is uh, Daniel's book. Um, great read. I highly suggest it. And the... The premise of the book and tying it into civil rights leader Malcolm X, his life, the messages he's taught the world and 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 Daniel over the the course of of his life, and that spreading onto other people's lives, really spoke out to me in the book. Thank you. And then a lot of yeah, and a lot of what speaks out to a lot of young men and women across this country is how sports impacts your life. And I, I won't get into too many spoilers because I, I think it's a great read and people should check it out. But first, Daniel, where can people find your book? Well, thank you for that. Thank you for, for the introduction. I'm, um, I'm glad you, you enjoyed it. Um, my book is actually available on Amazon. You can just go to Amazon and type in Chase and Malcolm by Daniel Morales, and you'll be able to find it there. 
Um, I, I'm working on some other ways to get it available in other outlets, hopefully locally here in town at our local bookstores, hopefully a Barnes and Nobles, one of those bookstores. And then I have a couple of me. So if you see me in the town, you know, holler at your boy, stop me, say, hey, you got a book on you, get it signed there in, 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 <laughs> in the moment. And, uh, you know, I'm doing it like back in the day, selling it out the trunk if I have to. However, whatever means we could get it available. But for the masses, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, thankful for a app called Kindle Publishing, which I've used now twice. Uh, this is my second book, and uh, I'm really proud of this particular one because uh, it really, uh, to what you said, it, it, it really was a way for me to give back and, and honor and uh, pay homage to one of our great leaders and one of my heroes. And uh, hopefully, you know, I was really uh, an open book this time, you know, open book literally and sharing something mm -hmm. that I've been through. Uh, and uh, I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of it. Um, you know, it. I, I really hope people, you know, get a chance to read it, even if you don't have the funds, because I know t things are tough out there. If, if somebody just wants to check it out and borrow it, I got a couple copies. But if not, you know, go ahead and uh, go on, on Amazon and um, you can order your copy there. Put it on your wish list. All right. Let's get into some of these. So... You, you started off, tell us a little bit more about your background. Tell our audience about your, yourself. Like, where did it all start? Where did it all start? Where did it all start? Uh, well, it started in the faraway land down under, <laughs> down in South America in the beautiful country of Colombia. So I was born in Colombia in a, in a beautiful, magical city known as Cartagena. A Cartagena to some folks, it might be aging myself, but if you've ever watched Romance in the Stone and, and some of those old classics, um, I'm from a city mm -hmm. on the coast of Colombia, right by the Caribbean Sea, um, known as Cartagena. It's a beautiful, beautiful coastal town that, uh, you know, it, 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 a lot of folks go to visit from around the world. Uh, I, it's, it's interesting, people. Uh, it's been, I, I think I saw in the Wall Street Journal, they call it the gem of the Caribbean. And it probably has you scratching your head a bit because you think in the Caribbean, you're Colombian, it's not mainland. Well, it faces the Caribbean Sea, so um, it's got uh, a real islander kind of vibe as well. There's beautiful beaches. Um, the water's warm, like you're taking a warm, warm bath, you know. And um, there's a lot of history there, a lot of art, a lot of good food, and that, and a lot of culture, a lot of culture. I, I say Colombia is, I feel like is the most diverse place in the world because you got people from all walks of life, all shades, shapes, and sizes that you can imagine. And uh, it's a melting pot, it's a melting pot. But that's where the story begins, man. The story actually begins there. Uh, I was born there, and um, I came to the States really young. I immigrated to the States when I was a, a young boy, man. So came here uh, chasing the American dream, chasing the American dream. Uh, not necessarily myself, but, but my, my mother, you know, 
my mother wanted more for us and uh, took a, a leap of faith like most people did or most people do. And uh, we uh, we came here. We came to this country. My People kind of ask me, how the heck did you end up in Arizona? You know, like... That was my question. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rather interesting. My 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 mother and father, you know, they they weren't married, but you know, they went their own ways at the time. My father actually was in the, um, and I think the statute of limitations is probably passed at this point. Uh, <laughs> my father at the time, I think he well, he was in the navy, and uh, he actually went to Miami and 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 in Miami at the time and um, you know how I think the Navy or sailors they have some dock time and uh, yeah pops pops stepped off the deck and uh, kept walking kept walking you know and uh, oh, landed in Miami and never boarded and uh, he took his chance and uh, went that way and and mom actually met my uh, my stepfather who uh, was uh, a baseball player. He actually was playing in the in the major leagues. Actually, he he made it to the major leagues as a pitcher, and uh, he kind of hurt his arm a bit. He 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 got on with the Royals and a couple other teams, and he was a pitcher. And then he was doing some rehab. And interesting enough, at the time, down in Colombia, you know, many of us now, well, now, you know, when you think of like winter ball and, and things of that sort. You, you know, you, you you look at the Dominican Republic as a place of a hotbed for a lot of uh, MLB talent. And, uh, you know, it's a tropical place and, and whatnot. And you have a lot of amazing ball players from there. But back in those times, uh, Cartagena was actually, there, it was a hotbed for baseball, man. There was, there was a lot of uh, winter ball with, because it's tropical year-round in the cities. Uh, real humid, but tropical and a lot of guys went down there to play ball a lot of a lot of mlb guys and other guys trying to get back into the league and get in shape and uh so anyhow my stepdad was down there trying to rehab and, and he was trying to get into the mexican leagues at the time and he's from south side chicago so you know and oddly enough he played throughout the mexican leagues and he picked up spanish and my uncle who was playing on a semi-pro team down there that my stepdad was playing said hey i have a let me introduce you to my sister and i really think that my mom you know saw that as a great opportunity too you know to um, uh, make some moves and uh met my stepdad and you know she came to the to follow him to the mexican leagues because he was trying to make it to the mexican leagues so um, once they got situated, they got situated here in Arizona because it's the closest place to uh, to Mexico, right? So in the offseason, he was working produce in Nogales, Arizona, of all places, you know? And uh, when things got situated, my mom went back and got me. And literally, that's the story, man. There, there's not much more to it. But that's how I ended up over here in Arizona. You know, and um, my dad ended up being in Miami for a few years and then eventually moved to New York, Queens, New York. And, you know, when I when I finally got here to the States, I had to kind of uh, adjust 
And that's kind of where the story begins. You know, like I, I, I had to go through a lot of um, learning curves and adjustment coming to a new country, you know, not speaking the language, not fitting in. You got this, you know, little brown boy that's got an Afro and has an accent and, you know, doesn't really speak the same Spanish, but doesn't even speak English. And, you know, that, that had a lot to do with my um, paradigm of the, of the world later on in life, right? It, I'm real proud to be where I'm from and being multicultural. But it wasn't always like that, you know, especially when, you know, when, when you're a kid and you don't fit in or you're new somewhere and, um, you know, kids can be mean, kids can be mean, but that's how we ended up in Arizona actually. And then I would spend a lot of time going back and forth between my parents. So I spent a lot of time in New York. We spent a lot of time in Chicago and we spent, you know, time here in Arizona. So that's where the story kind of begins and it's interesting and in, in my book i talk about my first kind of memory of being here in the united states um you know being from cartagena it's colombia you know it's a third world country at, at, you know there's a lot of tourism but outside of the tourism it's, it's a really tough place and i mean i went from i'd say you know we lived in my grandmother's house it was a wooden house man <laughs> a wooden house with the red clay and no ac and the outhouse and the bathroom uh, the 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 toilet and the shower were in the same place and you had to take a, a shower or uh yeah you only could take a shower there was no bath with with a uh, bucket and um you know there was plants outside and kids running around and it was just a different time, man, and I think that that really shaped a lot of of my value system. It really made me humble um, coming here and even even now. But I remember coming to the United States, and one of the interesting things is the first time I was here, we we moved into this trailer park that we were living in, and I remember playing with the flashlights, like the the lights in the hallway, and just so amazed that every time I hit the switch, the lights would come on, you know. Because he didn't have electricity or running water. So it was, you know, like amazing to just flip a switch and the lights came on. And um, hot water and being able to take a bath and things that we take for granted, you know. Uh, those things were like a luxury to, to us coming here uh, to the United States. And... Um, and I just, that's one of my fondest memories, man, that always sticks with me. And I always laugh about it because I was just giggling like a little kid laughing about the light. We used to use a kerosene lamp and stuff where the electricity would go out at certain points of the day and, and things of that sort. But that's kind of where, you know, I, I kind of begin a little background of, of where I'm from. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I see where, yeah, it it's a, a fascinating uh, story and and history, and then sports still a part of it brought brought you to uh, to Arizona. Man, um, tell us about the process, the idea of tying this interwoven um, theme of th that message from Malcolm X, and and tying in your sports story in your book. Um, Walk us through that process real quick. Okay. Um, it, and thank you, man. That, that, that was a very good um, 
analysis that you that you picked up, you know, it, it wasn't until many moons later as an adult, as I be started becoming older and, and, and whatnot, that I saw the importance that sports played in my um, in my life. But baseball was kind of a way that brought <laughs> brought us here. You know, and oddly enough, my dad was, you know, he did a little boxing when he was young and and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, man, I, I, honestly, for me, sports had always been a way to like it kind of. It kind of uh, brought people together. Right. And that's a was a way for me to make friends. I was pretty athletic as a kid when I was younger and. If I didn't fit in, in 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 other ways, it was always like, oh, let's you know, let's play basketball, let's let's throw the football around, let's play soccer, and it's kind of like one of those things when you excel at something, people pay attention or they bring you close, and it builds confidence. and And I don't even remember the first time I actually how I learned how to speak English because Spanish is my first language, and I remember we would always just be playing outside all the time. And my mom always tells me that one time she was washing dishes, you know, by in in the little trailer we lived, and she heard me outside talking to my friends in English. So it's almost like I picked it up by just playing with kids and playing all day and watching Saturday morning cartoons and and whatnot. And but as I look back and reflect, it it really brought a lot of of friendships and growth you know like discipline and and working hard and and even learning that you know sometimes you don't always win and and things of that sort so really how it ties into the book for for me is you know i i, I don't recall the well i i know that in the book i talk about the first time i read the autobiography of malcolm x and it is probably the most important read and book that I've ever, you know, read and got my hands on. It it literally, it, it, it was almost like it opened up this whole new world to me, you know. Um, I I picked up the book, I think, sometime in, in when I was in middle school or, or I knew about it and, you know, for those Tucsonans that might remember, uh, Al's Barbershop is, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with Al's. I know Don is, you know, that's kind of like a, it's one of those things where it was the hub of the community. And got my first cut there. You got and if you've seen yeah. Barbershop the movie, then there you go. Yeah. That, that's all you need to know. Okay. I, I want to say I got my first <laughs> fresh cut there. I had some awful cuts before, but that was the first time that I was like, okay, this is this is it. This is it. I was old enough to know, okay, they're doing something right. But I remember being going to Al's when it was actually not where it was at on Granite First. It was a little bit down the way next to a tire shop. And eventually uh, it went to where it was for many, many years. And Al Longmire, man, he, he is just like a icon an icon um i i remember vividly you know those saturday mornings when when um my dad would would take us to get a haircut and i felt like the whole community 
was out there, especially the black community in, in Tucson, because it was a black barbershop. You know, I'm, I'm sure there was a few other ones maybe before, but there was something about Al's that was magical and special, man. You know, we I know you mentioned coming to America and and whatnot, and the barbershop has always been like the hub of of communities, you know, um, where people go, they talk, uh, your barbers, your counselor, your friend, your everything, you know. Uh, but I just remember as a kid, uh, we would walk in and Al had all these pictures of all these athletes and and all these celebrities and all these bigger than life people. But on the wall, he had a poster that said, by any means necessary. And it was this, you know, kind of like, you know, I don't say lanky, but slim gentleman, clean cut with these wiry glasses with his finger on his on his temple looking straight ahead. And I would always see that image every Saturday or so. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd go every Saturday or every other Saturday. And, you know, when I finally made the connection to the book, I was a little bit young, but then I picked it up in high school and I read it again where I could kind of more comprehend it. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, man. Like it just was like, I think that was the first time I've read a book that I was like truly moved, truly moved by it. And it made me want to want more out of life and it made me want to be better and it made me want to strive and 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 know that you know you can come from the bottom and you can make mistakes and you can make some bad choices but if you can learn from them and then you can also put value in educating yourself and 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 really cleaning yourself and reinventing yourself it, I, I i look at it like the that's the best transformation of a human being that I've ever seen. And it always stuck with me. It always stuck with me. And at the same time, that at the, around the same time, uh, you know, I was playing other sports in, in middle school and stuff. But in high school, I got introduced to football. And I'd never played organized football. I didn't get the chance to play Pop Warner and, and other things of that sort. But we always played in the street and, and at the park and PE. But that freshman year um, was the first time I played organized ball. And luckily, you know, I look back at some pictures and I look like a little peanut. Uh, I was at Troya High School, actually. And uh, I always remember the summer before we started, the coaches came out to talk to us in middle school. And they just kind of passed out a sheet and said, hey, who was ever interested? Sign up. And all my buddies signed up. And... Then somehow they called us, and then uh, we had some practice in the summer, and and we were practicing, and then we put on the pads, and I'm not going to lie to you, I was scared to death. I didn't know what I, you know, what, what I was getting myself into, and some of my buddies had played for the Redskins, and a lot of those kids on that side of town um, had a lot of them played for the Redskins, so a lot of them had played organized ball before. So, you know, I was just went along with the crowd, but oddly enough, man, I was athletic enough to get by. <laughs> and um and then the game, I just the game just catches up. Once you once the game clicks and you understand it and things fall into motion, it it, it was amazing. And you know, I, I felt like that really 
was a pivotal moment for me because I finally felt a part of something, you know, a part of a band of brothers, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was excelling in it. People were like, now cool about it. And we're like, oh, you play pretty good. People were more accepting and you make more friends and you, you, you see the, the ups and downs. So it was really pivotal, man, that, that I read that book at the time. And then at the same time, my life was like opening up, I was growing. And to be honest with you, um, thanks to that, thanks to that and playing some other sports, uh, throughout high school, but more importantly, football, um, it really kept me on a good path, man. I, I'm not going to say I was perfect. I'm not going to say I didn't make mistakes or do some boneheaded things. But at the end of the day, I, I because of sports and because of that, uh, and also being wanted, getting that, that yearn to want to read more and referencing that book, I started wanting to, I started looking at life and started thinking about what I wanted to do with my life and what I wanted to you know, how I was going to learn, what was going to happen. And uh, I had never thought about it up to that point. Um, but it kept me off the streets a lot. You know, I still was, you know, hanging out with some of my, my, my buddies and, and, you know, some of my buddies, you know, unfortunately are no longer here or different circumstances and whatnot. But I missed a lot of stuff because I had practice, had seven on sevens, we had a spring ball uh if i wanted to play you know you had to keep your grades uh up or else you couldn't play and it it really brought discipline man along with the you know just learn the, the the want to learn more i was gonna say structure uh that's what the that's what came up to my mind the the structure based on the, your experience so how did you, how did you end up where we played at uh, Eastern Arizona Community College? Yeah, so again, added to that, right? So, as the years go by in high school, you know, you you know, you think that it's gonna take forever, but by the time you look up, especially if you're an athlete, like your junior year is here, and I remember getting a, uh, it was a big deal for us back then, and you might know this, you know, getting letters. That's when they used to send you letters, right? And yeah, I have all these shoe boxes full of letters and. Uh, from all these different colleges and we were going to camps and seven on sevens and I, ideally you know we didn't have really uh, we didn't really have a I'd say a, a, a good team we had good athletes at, at our school and on that side of town but you know because of grades and other other risk factors and stuff like that kids would just end up falling off or even some of the resources and there wasn't a lot of consistency but uh, those of us that, that kind of stayed the path, you know, we had some opportunities to see a little bit more of uh, than, than, than the neighborhood. And we went to some of these camps and we started meeting some folks and some coaches. And eventually I remember some of the coaches coming down from uh, the school I had never heard of. Eastern Arizona College. Like, I hadn't even thought about junior college. I, I never, oddly enough, when I think about it now, I, I just, and, and this is my ignorance, right? I, I only thought of U of A and uh, the D1 schools, and I never had thought about that there's a whole nother world of football. D2, D3, JUCO, 
until uh, these two coaches came from 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 Eastern Arizona and came to talk and you know kind of like meet you and and talked about what they offered and what they have at the school and and offered some visits and kind of that's where it began man I I, I actually was actually getting some recruiting from the U of A actually I was um it was a uh, thicker recruiter Raba Yano and it was another defensive coach but I think they were looking at me as a DB at the time and for whatever reason it it, it just didn't work out it didn't work out at the end of the day I remember our coach our coach our, our my senior year our coach we didn't have a coach till the like the week before school started and then the coach that came in we just didn't have a lot of organization. Then he didn't finish out the year. Like he was gone before the school year. And I didn't really have a lot of help at the school. And then I feel like my only option was Eastern. So. And this sounds like a movie. They run off the damn coach. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We have a whole nother topic about that, but one of our coaches got let go um, in the spring during spring ball. There was a, there was an altercation actually on the field. <laughs> and then, you know, the summer before we had like seven on sevens and all this and, 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 and whatnot. But then going into my senior year, like a lot of that was, was out the picture and it, it really hurt. You know, when you, when you look back, I look at these programs now and I love it. These kids are, you know, it's all organized now and, and because kids can get lost in the summer not doing anything, but, Football is about preparation. But anyhow, to make it short, uh, Eastern was an option that was still available. And at the time, you know, interesting enough, Tucson didn't have, uh, Pima didn't have football. Pima didn't have football f for whatever reason. And a, and a lot of kids, either a lot of Tucson kids, uh, Eastern or Arizona Western was the the the, the JUCO to go to. That, that was the 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 place or I think even Silver City for some kids as well unless you know they had some some of the big names that went straight to D1 you know but most kids in in Tucson either went to Eastern Western um out there in out New Mexico or even some of the Phoenix schools so and you know they had dorms and it was it was just you know was what was available and honestly to be honest and I talk about this in the book I'm not sure I, I don't want to say what would have happened but I'm not sure if I would have went to college had it not been for football man I mean that that's all that I had uh you know my parents are good good people hard-working blue-collar people and you know I'm the oldest, so they were just trying to find their way as as young adults. I'm I'm sure at the time, and it was through football that I got to a college campus, and really the rest is kind of history in, in a sense. I mean, I I think I as we're speaking about this book, I, I really want to. <laughs> I really want to talk, uh, write a book about the JUCO experience too. Uh, I I think Eastern was a a magical place, man. I know I know people are like, huh, Thatcher, Safford, how can that be? But that that little town brought 
so much culture from all over the world. We had guys from Samoa, Hawaii, South Central, Miami, Jacksonville, Canada, uh, Alaska, Arizona, different parts, small towns, the big city, Texas. You had all these kids in this little town on campus, and it was a melting pot. And it was just like, the most amazing thing. I remember one of the first, the first practice that we had, I, and I knew I was like, what is, th this is, this is different. This is different because I remember the, the, the kids, our teammates from uh, Hawaii, it was raining really bad and thundering. And uh, they started doing now, which is like, now you see it in a lot of teams. Uh, and I could mispronounce it. It starts with an H. The haka. They started doing the haka, like, and it was raining, and we were in pads after practice, and it was thundering, like lightning, and they're out there doing that after a hard practice, and I was like, man, like, what is this? You know, we're coming from just high school, and and then you got some guys that are big, and, and, and everybody's the best from where they're from, right? And that was another thing. Like you're there and everybody was the best from wherever their high school was. So now you got everybody there in it. And I talk about it in the book. I had a, a, a kind of a rude awakening, you know, because I, at, when I was in high school, I was captain of my football team. And I was the, the, the man on campus as far as uh, on the football team, one of the better players. And then I come here and show up and everybody's the best. And we had some guys that I, a funny story, one of the guys that I always remember this, um, while we're doing tour days, right? We show up, and I remember my mom dropping me off, and uh, there's this cat that's walking around. He's about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, maybe 230, on Adonis, chiseled. And my mom goes up to him and says, excuse me, sir, do you know where the dorm's at? And then... And he breaks out in this little like Mike Tyson voice. I, I'm I'm not a coach. I'm I'm a player. I, I'm a linebacker. And my mom takes a look at me, and and we both look at each other with these nervous eyes. Like she's like, "Are you sure you want to do this?" <laughs> and uh, it was actually Orlando Huff. Uh, Orlando was uh, a stud. He was from California. He ended up going to. Fresno State, and he played in the NFL for many years with the Seahawks and Cardinals. So, um, boy, that was a rough out practicing against Orlando. Oh, my. <laughs> I remember I caught, it was a hard day, it was a long day. I remember I caught a uh, uh, I caught a, a little slant, and he just I think he 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 just hit me with his shoulder in the ribs. And you know, you you know, Don, you you can't show. You gotta, you got, you gotta keep that game face on. But I was dying inside, and I'm like, he didn't even get a clean shot at me, and I was like, my ribs. I, I think I, he might have broke my ribs, and uh, but yeah, man, we have so many stories like that. But I, I don't want to give away too much uh, from the book. <laughs> but I, I, that, that's where that was spoke out to me the most because. All these years later, I I I I can relate 
to everything you said in the book. So I I, I won't do any more spoilers on it. Okay. But I do want to I do want to give you your kudos for speaking your truth about how you were feeling, how it made you feel, yeah. uh, how the struggle made you feel. Yeah. And I'll just I'll, I'll just well, and then we'll go on to current stuff. But <clears throat> what spoke to me about what you wrote in the book was we don't talk about it enough. These kids they sacrifice their parents sacrifice their siblings sacrifice all this so you can put a number on your chest and go out on the field mm -hmm. and you're shooting for this this dream yeah that's one in a million right maybe even more right and when you when you talk about how you're feeling i'll just speak to myself man i was tired of losing at the end at the end towards the end wow you know got went on to play d2 i was just tired of losing wow i was tired of running yeah um right your team isn't good. Your coaches aren't aren't the best. Right. They're getting fired. Mm -hmm. um, but then, when you look at today's climate, these kids have a lot of a lot more advantages. They have social media. Mm -hmm. They have all these outlets. But it's still the same. You know, we got grown folks mm -hmm. taking care of these young kids, and who cares if they have nil? Who cares if they get paid? They are still trying to make this dream happen. Right. And we just got to think think about before you tweet. Before you message people, just think about this kid is going through all this. They're not trying to go out there and lose. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to go out there and, and waste somebody's money and time. Right. They 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 want to win. Are they looking out for themselves a little bit more? Are they protected a little bit better? Yes. But but shout out to you on um, just speaking your truth in the book. Thank you, thank you. And, and and that was really vulnerable. Like there was a lot of things I talked about in the book. Uh, this is probably the first time, and uh, I'll be honest, I, fellas, I, you know, I, I, there was a point where I'm like, am I being too vulnerable? Like, should I hold some of this back? But I had to speak the truth. I had to, you know, my, my, my whole purpose with, with, with chasing Malcolm was a lot of different things. It was again, my, a way to pay homage to Malcolm X as somebody that really guided me in a sense of, you know, always trying to seek uh, growth, seek that unique divinity, like that, that always knowing that you could always get better, you could always learn. That, that was one part of it. And I wanted to show that and, and give homage to him and by talking about the things he talked about, but also relating them to my life. And I, and I felt, well, he shared so much of his life. Why can't I do the same? And if one person or more people can walk away with something or it helps them understand a situation or how they're feeling or their mental health or sports or life or education, you know, I, I look at it like, I can show you better than I can, um, you know, tell you, you know, take a look at yep. what I went through, what I experienced and, and, and you got to still walk your own path. You still got to walk your own journey. That's, that's called growth. That's called building character. And like you mentioned about these kids, a lot of people get caught up in the, these kids are this and this and that, you know, like you said, so what, you know, so what they're, they're, they're out there, you know, they're not hurting anybody. They're out there chasing a dream. And, you know, as long as it builds them 
character, it, it provides them an education or they're able to take care of their family, then so be it. Because some of us don't always have all those opportunities. Again, had I not played sports, I, I really don't know where I'd be. Had I not read the book, I don't, I don't know how discipline or how that yearn to strive to want to be better and grow where it would have came from. I, I, I love my parents and they pushed me as much as they could, but they were also going through their own challenges and their own growth, right? So, um, you know, that, that was very important to me to, to share that and, and really, you know, be vulnerable in a sense and, and not paint this pretty picture. And I struggled. <laughs> I had ups and downs. You know, like I said, football is very unforgiving and um, it's a great sport, but there comes a time when things end. Everything comes to, to an end at, at some point, right? Uh, you reach those goals or you don't and you got to keep building keep building and for me sports was one way one avenue that got me there and and for other folks it might be other avenues you know it doesn't have to be necessarily sports it could be something that you're passionate about there's so many opportunities these days like now with with the you know with all these apps and social media and technology and now you got ai around the corner and you got all these things that you you really gotta just not want to do nothing uh to go out there and seek information seek tools that... well let's talk about the now yeah um so when you write the the book slash script yeah. for the Juco movie. Just make sure, like I said, Michael B. Jordan should be cast as me. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And then um, real quick. What, what, so I, I always see you on social media. Yeah. You're, you're all, you, you are the man about town. You're leading lectures and seminars. What are you up to now? Tell us about your philanthropy and then what is next? Thank you. And then we'll, yeah, thank you. Uh, I, you know what? I, honestly, um, I try to stay active because life is fast. Life, we're here. I know it's cliche, but yeah, life is short, man. Life is short. Um, I, I think I've seen, for me, I've seen a lot of um, people since I was young pass away. My peers, uh, family members. Uh, again, people I went to school with, things of that sort, they're here one minute and gone the next. And then when you look at the scheme of things, um, life is, is, you know, our, our lifespan is short. You don't want to be, you know what it was, honestly, uh, one, one thing is that my, my mother, um, my mother uh, is, is a beautiful mother. She's a beautiful person. And not because she's my mother, but... Gorgeous, gorgeous, by the way. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. Mm -hmm. thank you. She she's she's a beautiful person inside out. But she works uh she does a lot of hospice and home care. And I remember visiting her one time. And uh my mom always been a worker. She always worked, hustled, and I think we get our work ethic from that. She was always finding things, and my dad too. Um, but I remember visiting her at a at a at the group home. And there was all these folks that were elderly. And, you know, one thing that I can say, if you want to find motivation or so, go talk, go, go visit somebody, go volunteer at, at, at a, at an elderly home and talk to the folks about their life. 
And a lot of times you hear a lot of regret in some of these people's stories. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have not been scared of taking a chance on, on trying this and this and that. And I remember talking to some folks there and I remember seeing some folks there too. Like, it's like we go backwards when we age, right? We, I saw a lady that when she was younger, she was a very successful person, but here she was sitting in by herself at this group home playing with a doll and no one there for her and, and things of that sort. And I, I, that always resonated with me. And for whatever reason, some of those visits, I would always say, I'm going to try to do as much as I can while I'm here. So that at the end of the day, I can say I tried everything. And I probably still want to try some more things. So that kind of pushes me to really be involved in a lot of things from our philanthropy. We, uh, I'm a co-founder of the Veinte de Julio Foundation, which is a, a nonprofit foundation that we opened up, I'd say, four years ago. Myself and um, my co-founder, Kaylee Suniga. And Veinte de Julio is actually the name of the barrio, the, the actual community that I'm from in Cartagena. It's one of the, one of the tougher uh, impoverished uh, communities in the city. And we decided to put something together for the kids in that, in that, in our community. Uh, we wanted to do some toy drives, but we thought, we felt, you know what? We do toy drives and stuff like that. Yeah, they're fun, but what are they, what are we, what are we instilling? What are we investing in our, in, in the kids? I'm very fortunate that I had the opportunity to make it out of there, but there's a lot of people, even family members, who are still in the same situation, in the same generational cycle. So we thought, why don't we help in some kind of educational way to get back to the kids in the community? And if we can help one kid make it to college, the, rap, the, the, the value that that brings and the opportunity that brings to that whole family dynasty, is amazing because most most kids in that community really don't have a lot of opportunity um, after school is done. There's not a lot of jobs, there's not a lot of things. So we really have really worked hard on trying to build our nonprofit. And that's one of the things that I work on right now. Uh, we're a 501c3. So every year we have a school drive where we collect the basic things, uh, backpacks, notebooks, notebooks, pencils, calculators, dictionaries, thesaurus, because they don't have some of those things. Just so they have a how shot. Can our, how can our listeners and our audience help? Like, wh where should we be looking to contribute? Well, uh, thank you for that. Yeah, uh, you know, since we're 501c3, any donation is tax deductible. Uh, it goes a long way. 25 bucks takes care of a, a, a child for the whole school year. They get all the things that they need for the whole school year. And these are just basic things. These are just basic, like, you know, we break pencils and, and pens here. Like, you know, kids try to save those, but we have our website. You could go to Bainte, which is 20 de, de Julio. Uh, so basically, 20th of July, but Bainte de Julio Foundation.com. And all you have to do is type that. We, we're also uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. And you can go on there and we have a donation page where you can donate whatever you like uh, throughout the year. And that goes directly to um, 
our programming, our youth and their families. And, you know, you can write it off for your taxes. We normally do a big, our big event is, this in, is in December when we do our school drive. So throughout the year, we try to raise funds. And by December, we have a huge event uh, where we normally provide 100 plus kids in that community with the school supplies that they need for the for the year. And anybody can go on there, anything, whether it's five bucks, 20 bucks, anything goes a long way. And if you can give monetarily, if you want to find a way to send backpacks, clothes, you can contact me. Anything goes a long way. Uh, even just spreading the word like we're doing here. I'm, I'm very grateful for you bringing that up, letting people know about it. Uh, if you know people that write grants, anything of that sort. Uh, we want to make a difference. We want to leave a legacy behind and we want to help our community out because a lot of kids don't have the basic needs just to have an education, just to have breakfast and, and you know, succeed. Because again, as you guys know, education is the key to success, whether it's a college degree, whether you learn the trade, whether you're an electrician, whether you open up your own business, you got to have some kind of knowledge to do that in some kind of education. And that opens up your world. So that's where you can look at for our foundation, our nonprofit. Uh, I also have Daniel Morales, Universal Leadership Consulting, where you can, you know, I people can hire me to come do trainings on professional development, customer service, motivation speaking, keynote speaking. I do that when I'm blessed to have the opportunity to do so. I've, I've spoken at uh, TOSD's back to school uh, retreat that they bring the kids in the summer. I've done trainings for organizations. Uh, I've done motivational speaking for events. Uh, a lot of different things, you know, uh, I do that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm also getting ready to do uh, taxes as well. Uh, taxes is around the corner. I'm getting ready to launch my first. Uh, I've been working over the last six years with uh, some business partners, but this year I'm, I'm launching Daniel Morales Professional Tax Services. Uh, and that's something I learned. And then I do the commission, like I do the boxing. That's a passion of mine. Boxing is also something that I, I'm, I really love. And I'm part of the Arizona Commission. I got licensed through that, and I get to make sure that people are are safe in the sport of boxing. And I just try to get my hands involved in a lot of things. And one thing that I I I I, I do is I try to learn something new each year, whether it's trying to learn an instrument, learning an app, uh, learning how to fix something. I want to continue to keep learning, you know, I'm, and and that's what I'm up to these days. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much getting ready to launch the the tax business. Uh, I'm really keep con continuing to grow with the boxing commission and, and being an inspector. I want to hopefully bring some more boxing to Tucson, bring some more boxing. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent in Tucson, man, uh, across the board. Yeah. There's a lot of athletes, artists, um, you know, anything you can think of, the old Pueblo has a lot of people here, man, a lot of transplants from different places, home homegrown. And we gotta we gotta we gotta network, man. We we got a lot of flavor here. So uh I'm working on that. Like I said, I just launched a book. 
2023. I'm working on making an audio version of it and also translating in Spanish. Because I got a lot of buddies that are like, you don't want to support you, but I, I don't read. And I'm like, well, you got to read. But you know what? If you don't read, that's fine. You got you got Audible now and, and Kindle. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I already know who should read that book. <laughs> Audible style. You got to get my boy Amari Hardwick on there. Ghost, have him read oh, that. Man. Have, man. It, 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 in English and Spanish. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Somebody, man. So, so yeah, no, I, I, I'm involved in a lot of different things. Um, and that's only to keep me um, alive, man. Keep me going. And, you know, we can get so uh, stagnated and get caught up in the rat race where we just punch in and punch out. Uh, I feel like you know, we, we all came to this planet with a purpose, with, we all have a purpose, man. It's just finding your passion. I love seeing what you guys are doing with, with the podcast and sports and, and bringing these stories to life and giving an opportunity to folks to come and tell their stories and share what they're doing and just talking. You have fun. I would say when you have fun, that's not work, right? You're, if you get paid for it, even better. But when you do things from the heart, uh, it, it really is fulfilling, man. So um, that's what I'm kind of doing these days. I, I, I'm, I'm taking a little social media break, but I'm going to be back in a couple of weeks just because I've been working on my website for the business and I want to launch that and have that ready. But that'll be live uh, here in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, and I just try to stay busy, man. Idle time, you know. Clearly, clearly this man. <laughs> uh, uh, we all have our own journey. We all have our own path, you know. Yes, sir. Um, and we definitely want to network and we want to have you back for boxing. Um, share your knowledge, bring some folks on, talk some boxing. I'm actually working this, this month. There'll be, uh, I'm excited. We're doing the, uh, we've been asked to do the, uh, Mungia fight. Jaime Mungia is a uh, fighting writer, the guy that, uh, <laughs> Just fought Canelo last year, and Mujia is, you know, an up-and-coming great Mexican boxer out of uh, Mexico as well, and he's with Golden Boy. And, it, and it's actually going to be at Footprint Arena. So um, you got to check out your boy. We'll, we'll be working out. I'm excited about that. It's a Golden Boy production on the, mm -hmm. on the 27th of, or 28th of this month on The Zone. And uh, so looking forward to that. So, but we got to bring some of that here, man. Bring some, Tucson used to be a hotbed for boxing. A lot in the 80s and, and stuff like that, there, there was a lot of boxing that happened here locally at the TCC. And I know the ABBA does some some stuff there as well. And there's been a couple top rank events, but man, people need to stop sleeping on Tucson, man. We got to take matters into our own hands, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's safe to say that you can talk fights that you're not uh, involved with then? Yeah, Is yeah, that... absolutely. I could talk okay. boxing all, all day. I could talk about things that I see as an inspector and the highs and lows. Uh, boxing is, 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 is another one, man. It's a, it's a great way to, to keep uh, young people off the streets and build discipline and, and, and character, you know, and, um, and find an outlet for a lot of young kids, man. A lot of young kids that are that are lost and don't have a a way to kind of navigate through life, right? So a lot of times we just need discipline and character, and uh, that opens up a lot of roads for us, you know. Well, it's been an honor. It's been an absolute honor. Yeah, it's been great having you on the show today. 
Uh, really awesome to hear how sports can really propel you in life and make you really successful and see the bigger picture in life as well. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you, gentlemen. I, I, it's been an honor. Uh, I enjoy I'd enjoyed this this conversation tonight. I hope I can come back at a later time. I thank you for letting me share a bit about myself and, and some of the projects that I'm involved in and, and letting folks know what we're up to. Uh, I really wish nothing but blessings for, for, for the show and seeing you guys grow and, and represent. I think you guys got a really cool thing going. And, um, you know, I hope to be back and, and definitely pushing the show to others and, and seeing you guys grow. I love it. Love it. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap this episode up? No, thank you, guys. Uh, it was a pleasure being on the show. I appreciate it. I, I hope that I can come back again and chat with you fellas. How about you, Joey? Uh, I just hope everyone enjoys the games this weekend. Uh, wild card weekend of the NFL. I think it's going to be a huge week. Uh, interested to see how some of these underdogs and you know, like teams like the Browns who haven't been in the playoffs in a long time, see how they do. So definitely excited about that. And then, of course, the Super Bowl in a few weeks. Get your copy of Chasing Malcolm. This has been another episode of First of a Lot. I'm Don. That's Joey. That's Daniel. We out. Peace. Later. Hey.